Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast, where we talk about advertising, media and marketing. I'm your host this week, it's Gurdjit Deegan, uh, the Campaign News Editor, um, taking on hosting duties for Omar Oaks, who's busy doing some awards judging, I think. Uh, coming up, uh, we'll be speaking with some recent graduates from Tony Cullingham's Watford course and the School of Communication Arts uh, 2.0 about their experience of graduating into a global pandemic. Not a great time. Two of these graduates recently set up their own agency, GUAP, which stands for Give Us a Placement, a creative way for them to secure some experiences for agencies. So good on them. But first of all, I'm joined by Jeremy Lee, our premium content editor now who will once again be discussing some news with me and then we'll return later on after the interview to look at a few new ads. Hi Jess, how are you? I'm oh, very good, Gertie, good to see you. <laughs> and you, yeah, I see you on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how, how are things, how are you feeling about uh, impending lockdown number two, do you think? Oh, well, I was just talking to Ben, the producer. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, Monday was going to be my first day I was going to show my face in the office and I didn't in the end and it doesn't look like I'll be doing it for another six months. So um yeah, it's not great, is it? But, you know, needs must. How about you? I know you're you're thinking of expanding to a bigger property. We are thinking uh, make use of stamp duty holiday uh, that everybody else is doing. So we live in um, Earlsfield, Wandsworth Way, and it's really, really competitive. So basically running around looking um, at as many properties as possible. I think we've got one, but I'm just going to have a look at it again before we... Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So good luck. I'm sorry to hear you weren't moving to Kingston. That was down, <laughs> yeah, <apparently>. <laughs> I think I think it's a bit later on in my life. Maybe. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Um, <laughs> well, let's go back to work. Okay. Um, shall we go on to the news? So one of the biggest things this week, or I suppose over the weekend, um, we saw um, ITV. Um, getting a lot of praise for its anti-racism ad um, that they ran in the in newspapers, um, I think Saturday and Sunday it was. Um, it was in support of like the dance group Diversity um, after their Britain's Got Talent performance a few weeks ago, um, which was very inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement. Please, that one's my favourite. I promise just once more. Okay. I'll tell you the story of how the world was before. It was a world of waste and wonder, of poverty and plenty. Back before we understood why hindsight's 2020, another disease, deep-rooted in our system. Fear, hate and ignorance, but racism was the symptom. As the world watched on, another black life gone, leaving what we thought we um, Did you see the performance, Jazz? I didn't, uh, and I expect most of the people who complained to Ofcom didn't see it either. <laughs> I, I, know, I noticed the figures. I mean, it started off, I don't know, there was a couple of thousand complaints that were brought in the paper, and then it grew to like 20,000 over the space of a week. And a bit like the virus, it just seemed to exponentially grow by people getting outraged about something they hadn't seen, and that's sort of typical of sort of a social, uh, social media whip-up, isn't it? And it just made the whole thing ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. And I was quite pleased that Ofcom sort of threw it out, basically. Did you watch yeah. it? Yeah, well, so I don't watch Britain's Got Talent, but um, because there was so much noise around it, um, and I do like diversity, um, I had a look and it is pretty powerful. There's a bit where um, Ashley Banjo 
um, has uh, his his um, uh, a police officer like on his uh, with his knee on his um, kind of on his neck. So you know I can see on that side like why people might be a bit offended, but at the same time this is reality. This is what happened. So what do you think about what ITB did? I I have got mixed views. I think ITV was very brave, and I thought the ad was brilliant that they put out, and it was sort of you know two fingers up to the racist. But sometimes I think that you shouldn't actually pander to these people, and that you know responding to idiots on Twitter, which is one of the reasons I'm not on Twitter, is it's not a good thing. But the, so I was in. I, I've got mixed views about it, but I think you know fair play to ITV for sticking off themselves. But I don't think it's always appropriate to to react to morons on social media but the other thing that struck me and I was doing some you actually don't have to scratch very far I don't know whether ITV is sort of you know preempting um a look in its own cupboards or closets you don't have to scratch very far in ITV's archive to find some pretty offensive racist content uh there were pro I mean, you you're too young but there were programs when I was <laughs> growing up called you, you definitely had these sort of in the 70s early early 80s but they had obviously they had Jim Davidson was one of their stars they had programs like Mind your language was set in a in a in a language school full of you know foreign foreign speakers and it made comedy out of that. There was one set in Twickenham called Love Thy Neighbour, which was a black family next to a white family, mm. and it all of them played on on racist tropes. So I think as a brand, ITV has done the right thing in this occasion, but historically it probably fostered in fact in fact it definitely fostered a lot of racism. Certainly when I was growing, up. so and I know it's complex. I know most brands have a complicated history, but um, ITV is not uh, without a blemish on its reputation. But that said, it's a new management, it's a new company, and in this instance, uh, they've done something positive and affirmative. Um, I don't know if you saw um, Satnam Singh Sangira, he's um, a columnist for The Times, and he's a former chairman of uh, Creative Access. It helps that young people from diverse backgrounds Get, get into creative um, creative industries and stuff. He he did say people uh, com- campaigning for diversity have long argued, you know, that believing in it needs to go beyond of just, you know, issuing like bland statements and stuff. So, and he's saying this is the first time he recalls a British corporation taking on the culture warriors and actually fighting the fight. It feels like hope. So I, I do, yeah, so I do think what ITV has done it's that you know it looks like it's changing the tide and I totally get of course I totally agree with you with with the with its, its history but at least it's doing something uh, I don't know if you've seen another thing they do is that on on area idents in between breaks they run a commercial airtime about how they're trying to improve diversity on the stream so this wasn't just a uh, an ad in isolation it seems as a corporation it is as you know as, as you say it's doing more than just you know responding as perhaps like I'm fairly cute to of, of to Twitter is actually seems to be like a root and branch reassessment of its policies and it deserves credit for that. So Ofcom has now dismissed the call for an investigation into diversity's performance. Uh, Ofcom said that its central message was a call for social cohesion and unity. Right. Okay. Next up, we have Sean Bailey, a London mayoral uh, candidate, saying that if he became mayor. He'd allow sponsorship deals to raise money for TFL, and that would mean that tube stations could be renamed. So it's been inspired by the Dubai metro system. Um, we could kind of see things like 
uh, Knightsbridge renamed to Harrods. Um, apparently it would be worth hundred million pounds to TFL over a year, which I mean, is quite a lot of money. What do you think, Jez? Um, I think obviously TFL is skin, isn't it? I mean, it needs every penny mm. you can get. Whether this is the solution um, to help fill its coffers, I don't know. And I think there's so much history in London Underground that there'll be people who go, you know, you shouldn't change the name of these historic stations, you know, bunkers during the Blitz and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, it's not unprecedented. I think, you know, football stadiums and they have changed their historic names to brands, haven't they? Um, I just think it might be a little bit confusing. I'm not, I'm not, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think anyone's got the money to do that. How about you? I am a true Londoner and I would hate to see that happen like everywhere. I think if it's uh, just, you know, now and then like a quick campaign or something like, I think Buxton Water did. Um, that would be, I guess, okay. Um, but I don't like the idea, but at the same time, TFL needs some money because I haven't used uh, a tube since lockdown. So, and I feel really bad for them. <laughs> but that, that's, that's the point of this. There's no one's going to be going to these stations anyway, so you can call it what the hell you like. No one's going to notice. <laughs> that's true. Who's, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> Oh, I feel bad for them. They do need the money. So I, I would probably be like, well, if they need the money, okay. But yeah, you're right. Who is go who's going to see it <laughs> currently? It's not really going to happen. Um, I thought Ali McCullum, um, Maria, you've uh, written a piece on this for us today. Ali McCullum's point was, was interesting. He said it feels very much like a pre-mayoral election soundbite, um, which it probably is, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it seems that way, doesn't it? I, I think, you know, I don't have any strong political opinions, but anything that looks like it can save people, taxpayers' money, or, you know, I, mean, I do know I was getting on the tube anyway, as we say. So, you know, it's just like, like a revenue generator. But who's going to, I mean, you and I could probably sponsor a stage because no, no one's going to them. And in fact, I come up with some comedy comedy names based on, oh, the, on, yeah. based on the campaign. It's real scene. So we've got, I don't know, I don't know much, I might ask TF how much it costs to get Gurdjit to Gunnersbury Park. See what I did there? <laughs> Uh, Maria Maria Houston, no, oh, okay. <laughs> Omar Royal, I'll shut up now. I'll shut up. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. Oh, Omar, gonna, go on. Omar Royal Oak, no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Simonington si Crescent Green, and um, that's as far as I've got. I reckon, I reckon, if they get a ten, I'll pay pay a ten for that. But you're not gonna get a hundred. <laughs> you're not gonna get hundred pounds to get the, to get a campaign team names on CFL <laughs> yes. that nobody cares about. Exactly. <laughs> Well, we're brands and our own, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so you say it's it probably you know got some press and find a brand that'd be interested as well, and I'll be amazed. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so that concludes the news for this week. Um, we'll go over to now to the discussion with recent graduates trying to get into the industry during these trying times. Hello everyone, I'm Ben Lonsborough and I'm usually on the other side of this podcast producing and editing. As a certified young person who has felt the effects of the pandemic in terms of work, I kind of felt qualified enough to host this one. It may come as no surprise that young people are one of the most affected groups when it comes to the downturn, with statistics showing that one third of 18 to 24 year old employees have lost jobs or been furloughed, compared to one in six prime age adults. I don't know what a prime age adult is. 
by the way, according to that stat. So I was furloughed for a bit, uh, and I can attest that this whole period has been fairly anxiety-inducing. But whilst I have been affected, I am thankful to still have my job. Whilst it has been difficult, uh, I'm not graduating this year, uh, which seems to be an entirely different proposition altogether, uh, with prospects across every sector fairly bleak for graduates and the advertising industry looking the same. So where does this leave recent graduates looking for placements and employment opportunities within advertising? What does the landscape look like now? And what sort of creative solutions are people coming up with? So with us on the podcast are uh, Paloma Gardner and Alistair Mill, recent graduates from the Watford course, who you may have read about recently, who have uh, created their own agency in a bid to earn some few and far between placements during the hiring freeze. So the Give Us a Placement Agency uh, launched on the 15th of September to fanfare on social media with the aim of hopefully getting some placements for the guys. So hi guys, how are you? Hi, good, thanks. Uh, how's the reception been so far to this idea? Yeah, it's been it's been um, like really good. We've had um, like obviously quite a bit of PR, especially from campaign, but I think everyone's sort of taken it quite well. Um, and most people have sort of got the joke, thank God. Yeah, um, we've had different creatives get in touch with us, just seeing how they can help as well, which has been really, um, really nice. And just like getting some good feedback after like months of just like hearing no's is really positive as well. So it has been really good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you've, you've, you've had some good reception. And obviously it was all over campaign and, and Twitter and stuff as well. Um, also with us on the podcast is uh, Manraj Singh Chawla and Rachel Simos, who are recent graduates of uh, the SCA 2.0. Um, Manraj, you may have recognised, was also featured in the Hear Me Adeline doc on campaign last year. Um, how are you both? Yeah, really good, thanks. Good. Manraj, I recently saw your tweet saying that looking for a placement at the moment <laughs> is emotionally draining. <laughs> yeah, I think like Rachel and I, we both, we've had like so much support from people in the industry and it's been great but it tends to be uh conversations tend to be quite cyclical it goes uh you know really like we want to help you give us really good feedback on our portfolio we'll take on their feedback we'll you know go make changes if we think that it was really good um we'll show them we think the conversation's going really well they complement our work even more and then it's basically always ends with ah oh, yeah we wish we could hire you but and then, you know, recession or hiring freeze or whatever. Yeah, so you've sort of got that sort of false hope when you're talking to people, but yeah. I suppose no one can do anything. And, and and Rachel, how have you found the whole pandemic lockdown situation? Um, I think I was grateful at first to have been studying, strangely, because um, I felt like it gave me something to do during lockdown compared to quite a few people I know who didn't have anything at all to do. Mm. Um, and just gave my brain something to do. It's a difficult one for me and Manraj because we both entered the SEA on full scholarships, meaning we didn't pay to get in. And that also is as a result of me coming from commercial break and Manraj coming from Brixton Finishing School, uh, meaning that we both came from low-income backgrounds through a scheme to get into the SEA. Um, and yeah, it's just, I think it's even more difficult for us because like we have, for Manraj, he has like his family to support financially and I have a rent to pay. So yeah, it's been very difficult these last few months. We graduated in August. Yeah, very difficult. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. And we'll pick up that uh, a bit later on uh, when we talk about uh, sort of extra pressures that you guys might have as well. But to start with, if we can talk about you guys going to ad schools, obviously you went to to different schools, the Watford course and SCA. 
first of all, how were your experiences of that? How did you see your graduation planning out? Uh, what What is the typical route for you guys? For me and Ali at Watford, um, we the course is organised, so it's half like studying and then half going to different agencies and working on like different briefs. And when lockdown happened, we were just starting to go to agencies and do like week long briefs. Obviously, like we were so excited about like going to these different agencies and like meeting loads of different people and like working on really fun briefs. And when lockdown was announced, we were just like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but luckily, the course actually like adapted quite well and it just kind of all moved online but yeah like it was completely different to how we thought the year was gonna pan out yeah i think well um obviously watford and um sca i think we're supposed to hate each other aren't we but um <laughs> <laughs> but um but no i think um I, I i we both had like a pretty sick time at watford um even though it's supposed to be i mean people call it it's like whiplash with ads but um as in the film but um right it's just like I had a great time. Yeah. And 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 you guys at SCA, was it a similar experience, similar sort of whiplash, intense vibes or? Yeah, completely. It was, completely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, um, Mark, uh, the dean, he actually showed us the clip um, and he goes, the only thing I can't do is throw a chair at you, but I might throw it in like your general direction, um, <laughs> which was, which is a great start to like a Monday morning, I think. Um, mm. But yeah, for us, it was I great. Yeah, um, but for us it was quite strange because like we were obviously in the church um, our first term and then we moved to Pop Brixton, like this cool like cultural, I guess, hub of like food and music and stuff to then this amazing place and then suddenly we were, it was all just like taken away from us. So yeah, we found I think that was a really hard adjustment for us uh, to go from something great to then this. Not that the church was horrible, but <laughs> after experiencing Pop, it was just like, oh man, it's a whole different world. Yeah. But I think if you speak to anyone from SCA, they'll say that Mark did such an amazing job, like experimenting with different platforms to get us online and like making sure like, well, he like he did his best, I feel, to like get us all in contact with our mentors and stuff like that. It, it was a smooth transition, as, as smooth as transitions can be, but still having that intensity of SCA from home while a pandemic was going on and so many different things in the world. It was very difficult on, I think, many of our, of our mental health um, as an alumni in general. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. I, I suppose it's it's one thing for like learning and courses to go virtual. You know, there's there's obviously a, like a fair bit of scope for that to happen. But transferring um, like job prospects and placements that, you know, do rely on you meeting new people and being there. Um, is is a completely different thing so how did it affect the end of your studies graduating and what are the prospects in front of you now? So strangely enough I think I would say that uh, one of the benefits of lockdown was that we could speak to so many more people and go on so many more book crits because they were remote yeah. and we didn't have to waste time on commuting to different agencies and meeting different people so I do feel like when lockdown started, like the amount of book crits and people we met, like increased exponentially. As we said at the beginning, like you would speak to someone and they would say that your book crit, would, like your book was really good and they really like you, but they just cannot offer you anything at the moment, possibly in 2021. Um, but with the updates with the government that came out yesterday, we're really not sure anymore. Obviously, this person giving you a book crit 
can't make any promises to you yeah. it was always this weird awkward moment where you're like yeah we know <laughs> we know what you're about to say mm. <laughs> it's like cool okay fine like we get it and like we like your heart goes out to them as well because like they're dealing with all the pressures of like having to adapt as well you don't want to feel like you're i don't know being a bit selfish and like asking them constantly but at the same time like you need yeah. you, you kind of wish you just had something to cling on to mm. yeah i think as you're saying like the fact that you can like just like hop on your laptop and I don't know, email a few people and like manage to get like a, like however many crits in a day it's just it is easier than like obviously traipsing around all over the place but like it does come at that cost like <laughs> like you can see more people but you get the same amount of opportunities which is like zero but <laughs> <laughs> I think like a, at least like a positive thing to come out of lockdown is that people who aren't local to London um it's kind of created like a bit of like a a slightly fairer system in that like all of like the crits and things are over zoom now so that's good that it's like being opened up to more people who are not from london yeah i would say like on top of that you can meet people who aren't even from the uk because they are also mm. working remotely and if you can work out the timing it means that you're able to chat to people from like america as well which is really yeah. cool so maybe at the end of this you'll you'll end up in in la or new york <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. yeah how does the advertising industry differ from say like a normal typical graduate route and um, do you feel at a advantage or a disadvantage to other sectors an advantage the advertising industry has is that it feels like a small community and that it's very easy to talk to different people in it like there's a whole community on twitter um, and like I, I feel personally that it's very easy to talk to different like senior roles and ecds and cds and just get like in contact with different agencies. And I feel like that's what lacks in, for example, the film sector. Um, but like any creative sector that I've experienced, it's very much a case of who you know will get you a job, um, which doesn't differ from other creative industries. I would say the only difference mm. is it's easier to get in contact with people in advertising than it is in other industries. And have you found that there's there's people in your cohorts who maybe had those connections and networks who have found it easier maybe or is are they in the same boat? Um, I would say I can think of one person for sure. Um, I wouldn't say that it's the majority of the people from my yeah. cohort, but I can definitely point out a few people and be like, yeah, that person's uncle or that person was already in advertising before they attended the school. So yeah, for sure. And is it the same for you guys from the from the Watford course as well? Like there isn't there is an element of like who you know that will get you a job. I think people have only managed to get to know those people by reaching out to them, getting experience in in work, and like actually like like getting having jobs and like having like making like decent work. Do you know what I mean? Compared to other industries, I think um, what makes it difficult and scary as someone who like doesn't who doesn't know about advertising before going into it is that there's no like set path to go into it so like bef like before I um, did my course I was working as a teacher and like for that there's like a very set path to get into that like career whereas like with advertising it's just so like broad and it's like there's no like set thing it's not like you just like apply to a job it's like getting a whole portfolio together and like trying to like get in contact with people who could like help you work on your book and different things like that so it is just very it's very different to other industries in that respect the fact that, but the fact that like there is an opportunity and the fact that there is no set route like yeah it gives like scope for option and you can like 
do whatever you want to try and get a job so yeah i definitely think that is a, a positive thing yeah and i think that um that feeds nicely into into what you guys are doing so let's talk about the the give us a placement agency which kind of does what it says on the tin but <laughs> if you guys could could explain the idea behind it and what what pushed you to do it it obviously started out as like a bit of a pr stunt um to to sort of like be a bit like actually do you know what young people are coming up and making making waves but um it's actually now like turned turned into something else where we're sort of like actually helping out like small businesses like in our areas that are struggling um with like the whole lockdown thing and um yeah yeah it's 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 it's, it's a bit of fun i think and it's like getting a bit more momentum now i think yeah and how it came about um was um in the fact that we basically so yeah we we graduated four months ago and since then we've just been going to doing loads of um zoom book crits and just trying so hard to like actually get a placement and everyone who we speak to um has basically has has been helpful but at the end of the day they can't take anyone on at the moment because of these hiring freezes so we kind of just set ourselves this brief of how can we how can we like get a bit of PR and how can we actually use our skills and do something fun and like positive in this time and so this is like the idea we came up with and yeah now we're just basically doing little briefs for local businesses and trying to yeah just do something like positive with yeah. our time but, but like if we were the if we were the creative directors we could hardly like turn ourselves away it'd be a bit sad if we with a like, yeah oh, sorry not good enough to get in yeah we can't sack ourselves <laughs> did you did you feel that extra pressure to do something slightly more creative to try and stand out uh to try and push past the the hiring freezes um yeah de well, like definitely because that hasn't changed in terms of like being able to get a job in advertising because i think people have always tried to have these like fairly creative like wraps for their portfolio basically but i think now is the time where they need to be especially like i don't know like big basically yeah sure and 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 rachel and munraj have you have you felt that pressure too like have you guys have you guys done anything similar definitely feeling the pressure me personally i mean everyone at SEA, all the mentors are very smart and they would recommend that we do something i mean every day we were told like every day is an opportunity to get in the news or to become famous um, in order to get noticed and they and like we've been advised not even from like SEA but by so many people that people like side projects and side hustles and stuff like that with us like we, we don't have that luxury to just have first of all disposable income maybe like there are many free ideas but we've seen ideas that do require money um, even if that's money to like work for free um, or not spend time working in retail or any other job that will get us quick money um, in order to pay rent or support our families. I remember work, uh, like being at the SEA and like feeling anxiety for like different reasons, like as you do in, in ad school, but also that like prohibits your work from being fun and creative and people can feel that when they look at your work. So if I'm in a position where I'm conscious about paying bills, any idea I have that is hopefully going to get me some PR isn't going to be fun and creative because you can feel the, the angst in my work. So I think there's like certain levels of privilege that come with certain side projects um, that when that when you have the freedom to work for free to create this project, if that makes sense. Yeah, that 
that makes sense so 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 the stuff that you're sort of looking for at the moment it it has to come with that sort of uh paycheck at the end of it out of necessity basically yeah like fortunately got uh recommended for like our first freelance job um literally literally yesterday we got our first like freelance paycheck and that was like it felt really rewarding because it was like you know we got to do like neither of us we're both like looking for like part-time jobs and going back to like I used to work in a bar um and uh, I think Rachel's done oh my gosh yeah I um got an interview at a charity shop <laughs> in Fulham <laughs> the other day so fingers crossed yeah so like we're both like spending a lot of our time so we like obviously uh, on your first point talking about pressure um we saw like from our school um like Ellie and Elisa did the creative rally and we were like we have a similar to you guys with your give us a placement agency like we have uh we have an SCA like whatsapp group and it's always just like oh man I wish I made that and like for both for both things it's like uh we were just like yeah this is amazing work um and like 100% when we talk about it like with Rachel and I it's almost a daily occurrence it's like okay we need to do something but also at the same time like okay but I have a call for this person to hopefully get a job in a shop and um getting that getting that yeah getting that freelance um job was really nice uh some of the advice we've gotten has been just like focus on the stuff that you currently like really passionate about and like Mm. and and the worst thing you could do is do like a a job like working in a bar or something where you feel like your creativity is stifled when you've spent the last year like enjoying what you're doing and then at the end of the day feeling like oh should I get paid for that um Mm. and so like Rachel for example which I assume she'll talk more about um she's been working on uh fail scene fail safe scene I'm in a collector called Failsafe. We're currently working on our first scene that got it like fully funded by a Kickstarter, which we're very proud of. Mm, cool. um, but our whole, thank you, our whole like mantra, our whole like uh, thing is like encouraging young creatives or starting artists going into the industry to not be afraid to fail or make mistakes going into the industry or make bad art um, because obviously that's where you need to start and like to, to like grow and get better. And um, we feel like there's so much pressure now. Um, even before lockdown, we started before lockdown, but with so much pressure, like with social media and stuff to make good work, that it paralyzes artists now to like not make anything. So that's what we're working on. And it's more, and it's also like across the board um, advice on like getting a jobs and stuff. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. And it sounds like almost uh, it takes on a new sort of relevance given this context. Yeah, I was just, I was just going to say, like, I think, like with like your your guys's like side hustles as well and like what we've done it's just it is especially for other young creatives it is just really important to just like try and focus like any kind of kind of like free time you have or energy into just like doing something which kind of is a bit of a creative outlet which is what we've tried to do with um give us a placement agency and it's just like another way to just try and like find a bit of a positive in this like negative job climate really yeah I think like um like for for both Rachel and I and also for you guys I think like what's what was really hard for us I don't know if this is I don't talk speak for you guys and I'd love to know what you think but going from Watford and going from SCA and it's so intensive and so many hours to then like not having anything concrete like setting yourself the brief to do and uh figuring out where you can push your free time and your creativity um 
is it, it was a really big adjustment for us. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, we we tried to fill a time as much as we could. I mean, whether you mentioned um, like get trying to get paid for stuff, like we we've done like some graphic design, just like bits and bobs for people. Like I've done a bit of farm labouring. Like um, I sell like loads of secondhand clothes and stuff. Like we yeah, just yeah. try to like make time alongside making money to like dedicate like time to like doing something creative which will hopefully get uh, help us get hired but I do completely agree f- agree with you like not everyone if you've got to like work um like during like your most like creative hours it is so hard to like find time to do like mm. side creative projects as well the funny thing is is that um like setting up the give us a placement agency cost it costs 12 quid to um yeah uh, to, to register a business with wow. the government so it's like if you've got 12 quid just you know what i mean mm. it's smart it's yeah but what 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 i'm kind of hearing from you guys is like it, it feels like you're kind of in between a rock and a hard place because you need to be doing these things in order to you know sell yourselves and put yourselves out there in terms of creative placements and stuff but then also you have to like live and yeah. earn money in order to do that. So like, it's this weird tightrope and balancing act. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bloma and I were lucky in the fact that we we had somewhere to like get out of London. So we both like live deepest, <laughs> deepest darkest steps of the country. Yeah, we so. we both aren't from London, so like we luckily like have just been able to live at home. But obviously, like if you're paying rent and everything, it's just an extra added pressure onto this already like really stressful situation. Yeah. And and have you had any nibbles with uh, Gives a Placement, either into, obviously you said you work for a, a butcher in, in Abergavenny and stuff, but any nibbles for the sort of placements that you want? Or? Yeah, we have, um, we've had some nibbles. We, um, yeah. we, we got offered, we got offered a placement nice. yesterday. Um, Did you? With, with uh, Isabel yeah oh congratulations yeah cheers thank you um that's great thanks very much um and we're kind of hoping that it's gonna sort of like well i fucking hope but it's i hope it's gonna carry on but um yeah yeah um, so i mean it's it's just mental that like just before like we got all this pr it's like everyone's like oh yeah sorry i haven't got any money blah 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 and then all of a sudden mm. you get a bit it's like mm. pull out a secret pocket of cash and it's like <laughs> we're it's like we've just got offered it yesterday so we're just waiting to for it to be like confirmed start date yeah. etc <laughs> um, yeah but we're really yeah. excited and 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 Munraj and rachel where are you at in in your search searching <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we have three or four talks a week um with different people uh and like try and follow up as many times as we can it just becomes like i guess this feeling of waiting um like when yeah we'll uh, yeah just like i don't know it's whenever like we, we don't want to push people i guess if i'm like if, if that's the way to say it like to tell us something when they can't or give us hope when we shouldn't have any and then they'll obviously it feels horrible for them to like do that a couple of emails that have said hey like we're chatting about placements can you send us your book um yeah we're just hoping that that's not another <laughs> another false hope and it becomes like an actual thing um well hopefully we can pee out the fuck out of this podcast and then <laughs> 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 um 
but like looking in 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 like a more practical um way for the future um obviously you know you you said that you found people in the industry to be really helpful in offering guidance and advice um but in terms of like your hope for the future what does that look like to you and what would be the best in a bad situation that would give you hope if if someone listens to this now i guess like like we know straight up you can't offer us a placement um but yeah i guess like if you have a freelance opportunity that would be great or even just like we've had like people from the industry just saying like we love you we want to mentor you like we can't offer you a job and that's really nice like the the idea mm. that you're somebody more than just to go to for a book writ but actually like hey mentally i'm struggling can I have a chat with you about like something or we i think like one of my happiest moments was i don't know if i should name drop but like we spoke to mark fairbanks and he we thought like he he a lot of people kind of just say like we're going to give you names or send you like we'll recommend you to somebody and then in like our email we had like five or six or uh, or if not more just like people with all their contact information and like how the, how he knows them and what to mention like when we're chatting about him and i thought that was really nice like the fact that and and that's not he's not like a a single case like there's other people like charlotte hugh and depeche and so on like they're people are they really want to help and that like uh, after that tweet that you mentioned like which in the moment i was quite upset that i posted that because i was like oh no like i look like <laughs> i'm struggling but sometimes it's okay i think to say that um and the outpouring of like support afterwards was so great so a placement but if not then just support would be great yeah i think conversations like these are what give me hope um just like people listening and understanding and taking time out to like see the issues um, within certain structures of the industry in terms of employment and hiring. Um, so I think conversations like these are really important to like destigmatize like the genuine like struggle we're going through because like it helps it like affects us in many different ways. No, yeah, I was just just before we go to Paloma and Ali. Um, yeah, Rachel, I was, I was going to ask um, on the point from the introductions earlier about uh, you guys coming through uh the ad school uh funded by the scholarships and stuff just just an opportunity for you to to talk about how how that's impacted your your experience and what what is the best thing for people to know uh from that yeah thank you for asking that actually because i think on like the although we do get so many offers and so much useful advice from different people um and so many people asking to be our mentors it is quite exhausting like sometimes that's the only thing we get and we understand like now many people can't hire us but I think maybe more consideration around the fact that we may in as harsh and as weird as it sounds we may not want to talk to you unless like you're really going to commit to us because it almost feels that there's so many people who are like just down to give a book crit um and it's almost as if they're making themselves feel better when really like it's not as if it's a waste of time for us because every book kit is very very valuable and as we can always learn everything from every book crit um but that's one hour of our lives that we could have spent with someone that was like giving us deep mentoring or i could have spent applying to jobs so i think like a wider understanding of just like we may not have the energy to talk to you because more things are and that your time is valuable our time is valuable yeah 
obviously SCA is the school like I think their slogan internally is like we're the school that gets you a job um which was very promising at the beginning and unfortunately with everything that's gone on this year it's it's just simply not possible even with like previous intakes that have more experience than us but yeah I think I think just general understanding that we may not be able to stay in the advertising industry because we need jobs where we can get it and it may be faster to get it in retail and that's not us giving up on advertising it's us um taking care of ourselves thinking on that point as well like i don't know how it is at watford but just my perception of coming in of like portfolio schools in general is that like you're literally training and building your portfolio <laughs> sorry you're <laughs> literally training and building your portfolio and like work working on your craft whether it's an art director or a copywriter or hybrid or whatever and at the end of it it's going to get you a job otherwise why have you like we both came on scholarships and and i know like the fees for watford are, are higher as well um and so like why have you gone out of your way to pay all this money and invest all this time if you weren't going to get a job at the end of it and portfolio schools are sort of marketed as the thing that's even more likely to help you get there mm. so outside of like lockdown and a recession in this current situation i think we would have had a completely different experience and this would hopefully have been a very different conversation um but yeah like there's people we're not we're not unique like there's people also on like who who graduated with us who are struggling um and i imagine it's the same for you guys um so yeah i just think like I don't know it's this, it's this horrible feeling of like not really knowing what happens next like and and I, yeah we're not unique in it so yeah I mean I can agree more like with what you just said Manaj like it's just really like the uncertainty of like knowing like what what like the next step is is just it's really really stressful so I, I do yeah I really like agree with what you just said there well um Thank you guys so much for like sharing your experiences so far of, of this um, and you know do keep us and me updated with, with how stuff is going. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you. Man. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So thanks Ben for that interesting interview. Uh, we're back now with uh, Jezza um, to discuss some recent ads. First up we've got B&Q, Build a Life by Uncommon Creative Studio. Um, it's so the agency's first um, ad for B&Q since they won the account earlier this year, I think it was. Um, they're attempting to build a more emotional connection with consumers. It uses mixed media and old VHS footage from real families to capture real homes. Uh, let's have a clip. If walls could talk, what are you doing? What would they say? The wonderful decor on the bedroom walls, darling. They tell you. An out of focus photo on the mantle. Jess, what do you think? Um, I think it's. I, I can detect a distinctive, uncommon house style emerging, and this is another part of that. It's that sort of slightly sepia, uh, old film nostalgia, a portentous voiceover, slightly stirring music, uh, which. Uh, is not necessarily a bad thing, and uh, it's certainly distinctive in the sector. Um, but that's my—I—I I, I wouldn't have known it was for being necessary. As I say it looks like a 
it looks like an uncommon ad, just like Adam and Eve ads look like Adam and Eve ads when they first started. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's it's fine. It's 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 interesting to say, and certainly better than the stuff that went before of being cute. What what about you? I agree. Yeah, I think it's good for that sector. Um, and you know, if B and Q want to be doing something different, and obviously they've picked Uncommon to to do it, which is which is a good thing. Um, and they've managed to do something different for that sector. We're not just seeing like people painting their bedrooms. Um, we're seeing a bit more emotion, emotional connection, uh, which is good. But I, I'm with you. I'm not that bothered about it. I don't think it's that great, and I don't think it's. Um, I don't think it's terrible either. It's it's fine. Yeah, I, mean, I suppose it makes it, it's more interesting than price promotion work. But as I said, most interesting is you can see Nils's fingerprints all over it, like you can see with Evo Energy and ITV and all the other stuff that's got that similar sort of house style to it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I think we know now what to expect from Uncommon. Is that mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure Nils would be happy that we're discussing his ITV work, which I think I maybe forgot to say that was by Uncommon um, earlier on and and uh, some more, uh, you know, of their work. So, okay, let's go on to Hind's Silence the Rumble by uh, BBH London. Uh, this ad is an animation, um, aims to raise awareness of child hunger in the UK. It tells the story of a girl called Jess who's haunted by the rumble, which she thinks is a monster. It's a beautiful poem kind of like going over it. Um, but um, it's actually, she runs into a school teacher kind of upset and crying because she can't concentrate. And the teacher says, it's a, um, it's your hunger, so you need to feed it. It was a normal morning on Summerhill Lane as little Jess Thompson walked to school in the rain. She walked along with no one around when suddenly she heard the most terrible sound. Oh no. Um, Heinz has um, kind of partnered with the food charity Magic Breakfast to help feed school children across the country um, who are at greater risk of hunger due to the pandemic at the moment. So what do you think, Jez? Um, I love animation, I love poetry. I really quite like this album. I like the, I like the it's a credible, um, you know, charitable element to it as well. There wasn't a huge amount of branding on it, which I thought if you're trying to flog tins of beans or soup or whatever it is, might be a problem, but that doesn't really matter. I thought it was, I thought it was quite sweet, and I say the poetry is nice. Funnily enough, I think we're doing a feature in next month's mag, or the Emmett McGonagall is doing a feature on the spoken word, so it's sort of tied in quite nicely with that. What did you think of it? I really, really like it, and it's just sad to think or know that you know so many children are hungry and go to school hungry. You hear about teachers um, bringing in breakfast items for them, um, which obviously you know they will have lost out on during lockdown. Um, and it's a really, it's, uh, yeah, I agree. It's a really well done piece of work. You don't need it to have Heinz written all over yeah. it. Who cares? It's raising awareness of child hunger, which is. It's, it, seems big, yeah. it seems bigger than Heinz, doesn't it? It's, it's something which I think is very brave and bold of Heinz to put the charity at the forefront mm. rather than its own, you know, stick its label mm. on it. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely piece of work. Um, okay, and then uh, we've got Cadbury. Don't ask me if I'm feeling cold. I don't want to talk about how I slept. Ask me something interesting. Ask me about travelling the world. You want a story? I can tell you about the first carnival. So Cadbury Dairy Milk is back with another ad. And this is also a charity partnership with Age UK. 
Um, this time, so it's a second iteration, I think, of the Donate Your Words campaign from last year. Um, last year they'd raised, I think it was like £450,000 for Age UK. Um, and this time around, they're asking people to have meaningful conversations with um, older people. The film shows um, uh, the older generation kind of saying, don't ask if I'm cold or if I'm sleeping well, who cares? <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, instead of like, you know, you know, there's a man saying, ask me about when I was a bodybuilding champion and a woman has <laughs> a story about posing naked at I think 72 or something. <laughs> what do you think about that, Jess? <laughs> Well, I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to ask about it. I thought um, I, I liked. I, I, I love the cabri work. This one, I think, the timing's a bit odd, and I think the, the insight about don't ask them about, you know, how you slept and, you know, have you had a cup of tea. I think that's that's quite nice, and that they're more than that. But I think the two problems are is that you can't really speak to old people anywhere at the moment because they were meant to be shielding. We'll probably have to be shielding for a long time um, because obviously they can't get. You don't want to sort of have to start a conversation in case they get infected. And secondly, I think also there's an element of it's looking back rather than looking forward. I know that's slightly difficult to do, but I think that asking me, oh, back in the day I was that, that's, that's quite poignant as well. And, and I don't know, perhaps I'm, I'm just being picky, but I, I, I don't hate it. I preferred the one with the old man doing the garden and which was a bit more sort of, he was doing something positive. And this seems like, oh, it's an old person sat there talking about back in the day, which is quite boring if you've had a conversation with an old person like that. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, <laughs> terrible. How about you? Uh, I, so my granny-in-law is 91 um, and every time I see her um, she had I learn something different about like her life um, so I do I do find it quite nice and sometimes you know I think if it's your parents you you are very concerned about them you know you you do want to say like you know mum dad are you eating well and things like that and I suppose people forget about just talking about life yeah you know, just saying like oh well this is happening that's happening you know and um yeah but I get what you mean um it is weird timing I guess picking up the phone you know yeah, totally. It's a bit like I felt a similar sort of emotion when you asked me earlier whether I watched Great British Bake Off last night. I thought, you talking to your granddaddy? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> these, these are really nice these shot films. They, they've got emotion to them, but it's, I just, there's the fundamental problem of talking to old people. That's hopefully you haven't discovered. Well, let's hope people will pick up the phone. Um... I think what Cadbury are doing is good, but yes, I, I agree that the the previous ad with the with the man in the garden was very very nice. It's a nice film, um, tells a nice story, but at the same time, this is you know a good way of moving the conversation forward about um, loneliness among the older generation, which because yeah. they have had to be shielding it. It's you know it's a bigger um, uh, problem problem now, I guess. Cool. Okay, thank you so much, Jez. And that's all we have time for this week on the Campaign Podcast. Thank you, Jezza, for joining me um, and also the graduate guests that we had and Ben Lonsborough for production. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Campaign Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.